Welcome to today's online message from Long Eaton Oasis Christian Centre. We are a church at the heart of the community, with a heart for the community. And we're so glad that you've joined us. We hope that you'll be inspired and encouraged today. Please don't hesitate to contact us. If you want to find out more, you can visit our website, www.longeatonoasis.co.uk, or you can direct message us. So this morning, if you have a Bible, you might like to turn to um, James chapter 2. So this morning, I don't have a PowerPoint that's going to come up, but I'd like to keep this chapter open, and uh, we're going to concentrate on this for the next few moments. So James chapter 2, and I'm reading from verses 1 to 13, and, and the theme that I'm going to take up this morning is no favourites. No favourites. Um, is, a, is a theme that we're going to look at. So we're continuing in the book of James as a church. From time to time we'll come back and we're, work, we're working through this, this, this letter that, uh, that James, the brother of Jesus, probably one of the first leaders of the Jerusalem church. We see this in the book of Acts. And he, this is a writing. And we've been looking at this. James writes in a very straightforward, quite in-your-face type of way. And it's quite challenging, but invigorating as well like a, a spiritual shock to the system sometimes when you read the book of James and as you can, in our in our day and age it's a little bit too in your face a bit too much you know you know we'd like it couched in a, in a bit you know let's, let's go around a little bit and make make it a bit sweeter but but James says it as it is type of approach but it as I said it, it can it, but it is it is invigorating it really is spiritually invigorating and that's why we're looking at James and in our life groups probably most of the life groups now have come to the end of, of, of discussing and applying James, perhaps, or nearly, um, in, this, in our studies. But, but we're looking at this together. So, uh, so James chapter 2, and we read in verse 1, My brethren, I'm reading from the NIV, depending on what translation you have. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Another translation says, showing favour to others. The word partiality there or is, is this idea of favouritism, partiality. Um, for, and, and actually the NIV says beware of personal favouritism as a, a little head, a head note of this little bit here. For if there should come into you and your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel uh, and there also should come a poor man in filthy clothes and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in the good place and say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit here at my footstool. Uh, have you not shown partiality or favouritism among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him. But you have dishonoured the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that, that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfil the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love the Lord your, you shall love your neighbour as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality... You commit sin. That's really powerful there. If we're partial, favour one over another, push others away, it's sin. 
You commit. So he says there, um, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble at one point, he is guilty of it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. So, so speak as and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If you show partiality, you commit sin. And that is the nub, that is the, the central theme of these few verses that we've looked at together. The showing of partiality and the danger. And, and so James is encouraging believers and in churches to beware, beware of showing favoritism or being partial. And we'll look at what that means and, and the dangers of it and how we can deal with that in the next few moments. Because what was applied 2,000 years ago can just as easily be applied in here today in our own hearts and in our own lives. Um, you may have heard some of these little stories that I might say. I've been around a little while in our church, so if you've been in the church a while, you may have heard me say this. But um, some years ago, quite a few years ago now, we're going back 25 years ago maybe, uh, Helen and I, my wife and I, and our two little girls at the time, um, moved from being I moved from being an assistant pastor in a church to then moving to. So this is not our church. This is another church. I can talk about something now. So it's no one here, all right? So um, and uh, we we moved and I moved from being assistant to becoming a, a lead, the lead pastor in that church. It was a smaller smaller church at the time in a part of a certain part of the country. And we began, you know, and we, we started in the church. And I, I've, I've told this story, but on, my, on the first Sunday there, the first Sunday, um, the chairs were sort of laid out similar to this, and I came and, and sat sort of near the front so I can get to the platform, and, and my wife, Helen, didn't sit right on the very front. She sat on the second one behind uh, with our two girls. That was uh, Leanne and Katie. They were only little, little tots then. Little Abedonian accents. They had little. They sounded like little Abedonians. Those little girls, and um, they had a lovely, lovely, beautiful accent. But I digress. Anyway, anyway. So they, they, and they, they came to sit down, and a lady said to my Helen, "That's my seat." She wasn't even very nice about it, actually. So my wife said, "Okay," and she moved a bit further away and sat there. And uh, and then later on uh, that that morning. Um, you know, the elders you know, welcomed, welcomed me and they called my wife and our children onto the stage and we came and stood on the stage and the lady was horrified, horrified that this lady that she said, that's my seat you're sitting in, was my wife. You know, this idea of partiality and uh, uh, the same church, some years later, some years later, a few years later, that church began to, to really grow. I say really grow, God was very kind. He was very gracious. And it went from sort of 70 people to about 150 people. It just grew. It just grew with salvation and people coming. And it was, an, it was a city church. It had lots of international congregation. And uh, I never forget um, a long-standing member of that church, a very good and decent person. They were a lovely person. Coming and saying to me, there's a context to this, so stay with me. 
Where, why are all these people coming and taking our jobs? They didn't rejoice in the growth and life of the church at all. It was all these new people were taking our jobs. It was like taking my seat, taking my job type of thing. That's what James is talking about. Partiality. I know there was a fear, and I get it, but that same... And, and so we worked very hard as a church to, to embrace everyone and, and, uh, and, and to, 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 to honour all, whether you were young or old, you know, black or white. It was a con- incredible, international, diverse and beautiful, and it was wonderful. And we, and we, we were looking to build a, a culture of Jesus that honoured everyone, because Jesus is no respecter of persons. We're all one in Christ. And, uh, but but I, I share that because it's interesting that James speaks into that at the very beginning of the early church, in the early days of the church. We think, you know, it was all, everything was perfect then and we, we've got all the, the foibles now. It's interesting, if you look at the book of Acts, there's an account in the book of Acts where they choose some deacons to wait upon the widows. Do you know why that came about? Because an argument had occurred a group of widows, those representing the Hellenists, that's the Greek-speaking members of the church, were being treated differently from the Hebrew widows, the Jewish or the Hebraic speakers. They were all Christians, but some spoke Hebrew and some spoke Greek. And, the, and in, it's in the early book of Acts, and this is why they chose the deacons. The deacons were chosen to make sure everybody was treated the same. Partiality. Partiality is a dangerous, dangerous thing for the life. But, it's, but James says, he goes the full hog and says, it's sin. And it's a real shock to the system. So, so the context then. So, 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 so the, the, there can be groups within groups and wheels within wheels and camps within camps of any life of any church. And we're all to be one in Christ and we are all one in Christ, and we treat each other. And that doesn't mean to say we don't have particular people that we gravitate towards because they're family, or they're our friends, and we, and we get on well with certain people. That's not wrong. That's to be celebrated. But we also have to be aware, we have to be aware of in that celebration of the people that we get on with, the people that we like, the people that we've known for a long time, you know, the people that are our family, that that doesn't come at the detriment for us to uh, other people feel that they're not accepted or they're treated differently. There's a favour for some and not for others. That's what James is getting on at. And uh, that's what I feel is so important just as much today in our hearts and lives. And for us as a church and for any church, to be honest with you. So the context of what we've been reading is, is basically the church were favouring richer people against poorer people. Uh, they could tell they were richer because they're fine clothes. In the, in the East, at that time, a lot of people, the majority, would have been quite poor. Not, it was, there was a vast chasm between rich and poor in the East, in Palestine, in, in, in Israel, in, in, uh, in the uh, Greek-speaking world. And at the time of the, the early church, sort of the, the Roman Empire world, those that had had everything, and those that didn't, which was probably the majority, had nothing. It was, it was a bit like that. So if a rich person came to your church, it was fan-dabby-doozy. 
ding, 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 ding. This is amazing. Come and sit right down here. You know, what's that? What's that? There's a game show. I don't watch it. Come on down. It used to be whatever it was. I don't know what game show that was, but, but you... I can tell. Ruthie loves, loves her game shows. The price is right. Come on. That's it. And it was, come on down. And, they, and it was a bit like that. So they, what they did in, 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 in the time of James, it was, come on down. Favoritism. And James is saying that that's sin. You know, if you favor one and they could tell by their clothes and, and their power and they'd have prestige. And I can understand if you're looking to take a city, you're looking for an, an inroads into a city, you want people of power, people of influence to come in. I get that. We would pray that we would have people who have influence in government, but you don't lift them higher. And this is a challenge, isn't it? Than anyone else who has no power. We're not to. Deference to. We're one in Christ. This is what James is saying. And that's a challenge for us today because we go on what we see. We're very external. Uh, what we like. What are my likes? The, you know, my ideas, my ideals. And I've said it's not wrong to have likes and ideals and people that you gravitate towards, but it mustn't be at the, at the um, expense of unity and of love and of looking at each other as one because there's no one greater than the other. And it's interesting, Jesus is known as the servant king. I think today, in our culture, we think king. You know, I want to be famous, a star, power. But Jesus is a servant. It's the, the servant comes. It's incredible. And so... Here we have the sort of context and its person, prestige, power. We, 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 human nature is we look at the outside. Samuel was reminded in the Old Testament when he was looking to choose the king and anoint the king that God reminded him, I do not look on the outside. God looks at the heart. Doesn't he? God looks at your and my heart. And that's so important. Where my heart is, what my heart is like, how my heart is, my heart before God, my heart with God, God changing my heart, my heart being opened, my heart being changed from glory to glory. It's, it's amazing. And so, but the world in which we live tends to look, you know, you say, don't judge a book by its cover until you've read the book. You look on the inside, don't you? But we live in a world. And so this is what was happening. And, and so God looks at the heart. Uh, but, and so we see here that, that looking on the outside, preferring what you prefer over and above what God prefers, and favouring and, and being partial, and it's a sin. It says it there in verse 9. Partiality, your partiality, your favouring, your favouritism is a sin. It's quite bleak when you look at it like that. So as I've said, having friends isn't wrong. Um, having people that you gravitate towards and get on with in a church community, if you come in recently in a, in a, in a few weeks, in a few months, within the first few weeks, wow, you love it, it's great. And within a few months, you begin to realise who are the friends and the friendship groups. That's not wrong to have friendship groups. I'm not calling that. But when friendship groups get to the point where others... Some are favoured and others not, and people are left out. That's when it gets in the way. That's what I'm getting at, and that's the difference. So we've got to resist the danger of defaulting to favouritism and partiality. That's what I would say. 
And I took a few moments just to introduce that thought for a moment. We as a church and as a congregation, as a growing group of people representing part of the vineyard, there's a big vineyard, many, many churches, many, many Christians, but as a local part of the vineyard, we've got to beware defaulting in our preferences and in our friendships and in our families and in our, in our, our, our um, comfortableness, we've, which is fine, having family and friends and comfortable. We don't default to partiality. Or favoritism. That's what I'm saying. And this is what James says. But James says it. It's sin. <laughs> you know, it's a sort of shock to the system. So what can we do then? Okay, so uh, this is the, the second half will be an application. A bit different from the sometimes I do size three points. But this, this second bit now is what can we do? How can we not default to uh, partiality or favoritism? Because it, it, it happens and uh, what, so what can we do? So two things. And they're in the text, so you might want to look at the text with me. I'm going to suggest to you that there are two... So how do we do this? There are two keys that are in the text that we've just read. Verse 1 and verse 8. I'm going to suggest to you verse 1 and verse 8, and here we go. So verse 1, it reads like this. My brethren... So, so, we've, so we, we've, we've spent a bit of time looking at the danger of defaulting to this... I've given a bit of a context, a bit of a, bit of a practical experience, uh, looking at the dangers, but celebrating our, the joy of friendship and, and, and likes and comfortable and family. It's, it's, it's all good, but not wanting to default. So, and and, but, and, and uh, James saying that you know, this partiality, this favoritism, you, you, it's sin amongst you. You're doing this. So how can we not default to this, this sin then? So here we go. Um, verse 1 reads like this. My brethren, do not hold... The faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. It's very interesting that in this, this, this chapter, this, or this, these, this, this section of teaching that James brings in verses, um, uh, verse 1 to 13 here, verse 1 starts with, do not hold your this faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. He introduces this, the, the benchmark the litmus test or benchmark of life is not your likes and my likes, my comfortableness or my family likes, my friendship groups. And these are all to be celebrated, and don't get me wrong, but they're not our benchmark. They're not our litmus test. Our benchmark and litmus test is Jesus. You're going to hear that every time we speak together. Everything's about Jesus. It's going to be root. It's not the main root every day, every time we gather. Our and so he says this, look at this, he says, my brethren, and it's not by chance in that verse one there, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says something quite amazing, the Lord of glory, he is the Lord of everything, the Lord of all, majestic creator of all things. He really raises him up, Paul, James, sorry, really raises it's the, the, the Jesus. And, and he's the the the. We conform, conform to Jesus. He's the litmus test. He's the benchmark in the way in which we conduct our relationships with everything and what he says and how he teaches in his heart. Um, and so, so this, is, uh, this is the gist of, the, of this, this verse is uh, when we look at people, when we look at persons, when we look at personalities, it should all be held up against the personality of Jesus. And the people and the, everybody that we meet coming into conformity with the personality of Jesus. 
That's, what's, that's, that's, that's the gist of, of, of what is, is, is here. And that's the gist of life. Now, it's his person, it's his place, it's not us, it's him. And we conform and, to his likeness and his attitude and his desires. We have our own like, our desires, and it's not wrong to have desire, but we bring all of our attitudes, likeness and desires to conform with Jesus. I love the Puritan father, Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry was a Puritan pastor in the 1600s, and um, he wrote an amazing commentary, which to this day many pastors use. And he says this, listen to this, great spiritual heart, man ahead of his time, great man of God. He said this, on commenting on this verse, he says this, Christ's being the Lord of glory should teach us not to respect Christians for anything so much as they're conforming to Christ. I'll say, I'll read it again. If it, 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 it's in a nutshell, this is in a nutshell, this is in a nutshell what I'm saying. And he says it beautifully. Christ's being the Lord of glory should teach us not to respect Christians for anything so much as they're forming, conforming to Christ. We're all one in Christ. As we conform to Christ, rich and poor, learned and we might think ourselves unlearned, black or white. We're all one. We're all equal. In, as, as, as our hearts are being brought to Christ, as we're being brought into Christ. And so he's the person and personality. Jesus, the danger in the modern age and in the Western church, well, in all churches, probably a lot of churches, is that there can be some big personalities and it's those that can, people conform to or the latest trend, or the way someone looks, or the, or the way in which they speak, their personality, their person. And that can go for and that can go against people in our likes and dislikes, their personality. But it's the personality of what, you know, what we see here is it's the person and personality of Jesus. So important to get hold of. It's the person and personality of Jesus as we are drawn to him. So partiality, favoritism, is about mine. My position and their position, you know. But it's the position that we are in Christ and how we position our hearts in Christ that's so important. It's all about him and his person. It's all about Jesus there's a song that there's a song called Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. And it's all about him and our hearts being drawn to him and our hearts being changed by him that is so incredibly important. I'll take it on in a moment or two. So it's all about him and his person. That's how we judge other people. And my relationship with Jesus, and as, I'm being, as I relate to Jesus, you find that you can't relate to Jesus and stay the same. 
I challenge anyone here this morning, if, you relate to Je- if you're really in a relationship with Jesus and growing in Jesus, you cannot stay the same. You will find that you will change to be more like him. If, you're not, if we're not becoming more like him, and I'm not saying you've got you've to try at this, if we relate to him and we love him and we feel his love, you, you will be changed from glory to, to be more like him, to conform, to conform, to be changed, to be like him. And as we're changed to be like him, our attitudes would be more Christ-like attitudes, the fruit of the Spirit. It's not something you have to try hard at and learn how to do. We, we understand it. We might learn about it, but we relate to him. And so this, this, is, this, is, really, this is really, really important that he, he, sh- he shares that if, if you are calling yourself a Christian and you have a relationship with the Lord of glory, then you commit sin if you favour and disfavour those around you. You just can't do it. What James is saying, it can't be done. So how's your relationship? And I would ask you this morning, and I ask myself, what is your relationship with Jesus? You and I that call ourselves Christians, is your relationship fresh today? Is it growing? Are you, I, don't, I don't know what your relationship is like. And it, it might not be, in some ways, my business, in some ways. But my, my business is to encourage us and encourage you and encourage me to grow in him and to go for him. And uh, I was asking this one, what is your relationship in Christ? Are you growing in him? Do you relate to Jesus? Do you speak with him? Are you being, do you love him? Is he loving you? As, you? as you feel loved by him, what is changing in your life? Are you bringing your life before him? Is he speaking into your heart and life? Uh, are you growing in, in him? Uh, it's, it, I'm not looking to judge you. I'm asking the question, how is your relationship? And, and please don't say to me, I became a Christian in 19. I'm asking you today, where are you with your relationship with Christ? I don't know about you. This might f- shock you, but I'm a human being, so it shouldn't shock you. But I can ebb and flow. I can grow hot and I can grow cold. And so I asked the question of myself. And this is the question that's asked of me as I look at what is being said today. Second, so that's the first thing. It's, it's Christ and his personality and how we conform to him uh, in verse one. But, the, but overlapping with that, second key is this, and it's in verse eight when he speaks about the royal law. It's an interesting, it's an interesting one. If you look at verse eight, and this overlaps with what I've just said, and with this we'll come to a conclusion in a moment or two. If you really fulfill the royal law, verse 8, according to the scripture, and this is the, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. It's part of the royal law. You love your neighbour as yourself. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, You do well. But if you show partiality, you sin. So we can commit, and so he uses something from the law. He's obviously speaking to Hebrew Christians, Christians who've come out from a Jewish background and the scriptures before them. Remember, the scriptures they had at this time would have been the Old Testament scriptures. You and I, now reading James as scriptures, but they they might have had a letter from James, but at that point when he was speaking to them, it wasn't quite the scriptures. So he was was using, they often use what's called the Septuagint, which is the, uh, the Greek sort of translation of the Old Testament amongst Christians. And, um, and then we now have the New Testament added to that, uh, what's called the canon of Scripture. And, um, and so he says, you know, if, if, you, if, you, if you apply the royal law, if you're applying love your neighbour as yourself, 
And so you're looking to love everybody. And you say, I love everybody. But then you favour some against another, then you sin. Now, it's very interesting that he, he takes this royal part. This, it's interesting because in Matthew 22, verses 36 to 34, you might want to write this down. Matthew 22, verse 36 to 34, Jesus links, he's asked, what are the greatest commandment? And Jesus says this in Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40, when asked what is the greatest commandment, he says this, love God, the Lord your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then secondly, this, love your neighbor as yourself. And he links the two together. Interesting. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And um, the key, overlapping with what I've just said, this application of the command to love everyone around us. Your neighbour is everybody, whether you like them and you dislike them. It's a challenge. But a neighbour is anyone we come into contact with, to love them, you know. And, uh, uh, but Jesus links that with, in, in Matthew, he says, love God with all your mind, heart, soul and strength, and your neighbour is yourself. Now that's really interesting. The heavenly relationship should affect my earthly relationship. Our heavenly relationship should affect my earthly relationship. In other words, Jesus says, when we love God, heavenly, we say vertical relationship, the heavenward, Jesus. I've just been talking about our relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit. When we love, then that divine love of God, the supernatural love of God, then is outworked in tomorrow loving everyone around me. And that's how we don't favour. There is a danger today that there is a teaching going round that we are to love everyone. Absolutely right, as, our, as we love ourselves. But we love, it's that, in that loving of, of all is in conjunction with an absolute all-out love for God and the putting our hearts right with God. There is, there, is a, there's a, uh, there is a danger that the love that some churches are talking about is a man-centered love, not God-centered, that outworks as divine love. Put it to the test. We have to put it to the test. You'll find that our... So, so we can love and show partiality. You know, favor but not gravitate towards but... And so people can feel left out, pushed away. It can't break into the, the, you know, the, the welcome team or can't, can't get into that, that group of people. And, and so we can love and, and, if, and we've got our, our own likes and dislikes. But when that love is linked primarily, firstly, to a love for God and his love in us, then that divine, it's called the agape, the divine or supernatural love of God, which is completely holy and completely full of grace, works out through our lives we, we begin to be changed and we can love the unlovely and we can love, bless those that persecute us. Because how can we do that without the divine, the supernatural, the grace of God working in our hearts and lives? So many church splits, so many you know, wheels within wheels, groups within groups. You don't have to be a small group of people to have groups within groups. You can be a large group of people. It could be a mega church, and yet there are groups within groups. It comes because it's based on, a, on an earthly dimension. It's not linked. 
And this is why Jesus said, if we're truly going to love, then you have to know the love of God. We have to relate to God. We've got to have a heart for Jesus. I give him our hearts. So the heavenly relationship should influence and affect our earthly relationships. In other words, God-centered love, not man-centered. And you will find the greatest challenge that the church is facing today is when people talk about love, it will, it will lead us to, it will lead many churches down a path of uh, doctrinal compromise, perhaps, because it's dangerously man-centered, rather divine God-centered. And the challenge is to be God-centered. And that's the challenge for us. We will be persecuted for that. If we're truly God-centered, don't be surprised if people will come away and say, disagree with that. You've got to be completely include this, 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 this. And it's a challenge that's coming on the church. I, I guarantee it's, 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 it's already upon us and, and it's, it's gaining momentum and it's gaining momentum. So we've got to be very clear whom we love. I know that my Redeemer lives. We know that we know what we believe, what we believe in, that we know Jesus. You don't just know his doctrine. You don't just relate to a bunch of good people and it's lovely people. And I've got lots of great friends. That's all good stuff. But you know that the Redeemer, we know Jesus. We have Jesus in our hearts and Jesus in our lives. That we're being changed from glory to glory. That the power of the Holy Spirit is in and moving through me. And Jesus said, you will have trouble in this world, but take courage. I've overcome this world. And so we're called. So, I would, so with that then, as we conclude, as we finish right, right here, right now, is I want to ask you, what's your relationship like with Jesus today? What's your relationship like with Jesus? If the worship team would come, that would be great. Thank you. We're going to conclude for this moment. But we, we want to be a church that embraces everyone. That's challenging. That's really challenging. Our culture is that we're a church that honours Jesus, the glorious Lord of all. And so if we're to be a church that honours Jesus and that loves all, we've got to deal with our own foibles and our likes and dislikes and our upsets and, 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 uh, and, that's, that, and, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. And as the Holy Spirit begins to work through us and in us and Jesus is our Lord and, and he begins to heal and he saves and he delivers and there's mercy and there's supernatural grace, an amazing thing happens. You get a unity. You get a unity. In the highlands of Scotland, where they don't have music in some of the churches, they have a man called, or man, it's probably usually a man, it's called a presenter. And they have a tuning fork. Yeah, some of you are nodding your heads, you know what I mean. They have a tuning fork. They hit the tuning fork, and they only sing the psalms. And they go, ding, and it goes, um, and the tuning fork goes, um, and everybody stands up, and they go, um, and then they sing the song together. That tuning fork is Jesus. And that brings the unity and they get the note. They get the right note. But the tuning fork is Jesus. We are all to conform to Jesus. As our hearts are changed by him and we're conformed to him, then you find that we become in tune with each other, even the ones that we find difficult. I'm being very careful not to look at anyone in the eye, not wanting to say. I've been around a little while. I've been in our church a little while now. So you make friends, you make enemies, you can make all sorts. But you know you know, we, 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 we get on. We grow together. We embrace. And we say when new people come in, taking our jobs. Oh, let you, you. Tell you what, you can have mine. No, I love, I love, I love 
I love serving you. I love what I do. But it's Jesus. I know that sounds so simple, but it's as simple as that. We make it too, we're making it too difficult in a very age of, of, of too much. Let's love him. So this morning, should we stand together? Well, where's your relationship with Jesus this morning? Would you like to relate, renew your relationship? You're a Christian and maybe you need to renew it. You need to renew your heart. You need to renew your love. You need to renew your desire for him. You want the Holy Spirit to be released afresh in you. Maybe that's you this morning. Then come this morning. Let's, let's open up our hearts and be renewed. And say, Lord, I give you my heart afresh. I love you. And for you, it might be that you, you, you change something in your devotional life. For me, do you know what I did when I was reading, reading through the Bible in a year? I, 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 I started to listen to it. I decided I'd listen. And listening changed the whole dynamic of my devotion. You can listen to the U version of the Bible. And, and that year, one year, I listened rather than read it. And it changed the dynamic. I read stuff that I read. Maybe you need to change something in your walk, your life, your reflection on God, your relationship with Jesus, the time that you spend with him. I don't know. Or in your heart, a determination to say, I give you my heart and life afresh. Maybe that's you this morning. Then this morning, let's renew our hearts before him. Right here and right now. Should we do that? And maybe this morning you're here for the very first time or you're here and you haven't got a relationship with Jesus yet. Maybe you've gone to church. Maybe you've prayed. Maybe you've read the Bible. But this morning it's to say, Jesus, take my life. Take my life. God, I want to give you my life. Maybe you're here for the very first time. Maybe you're here and you've been in church a while. Then it's a case of this morning, I want to give you my life, Father God. I want to give you my life, Jesus. I, I want to live for you. I've been living for myself. Maybe that's you this morning. Then you can do that as we pray together. God bless you. Let's, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you send your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loves the world. Oh, how beautiful a verse to say again and again. For God so loves the world that he gave his one and only beautiful desire of his heart, son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you, Father God, that that taste of everlasting life can be also in the here and now and in the future yet to come. How beautiful is that? I can taste and see that the Lord is good today and know you in my life and family and home and my relationships. Even if I'm struggling this morning, I give you my life afresh. Lord Jesus, be renewed. Be renewed. Help me if it means to change my devotional pattern, a moment of reflection start to pray about or get together with some people to pray be intentional with my time just those five five or ten minutes in the morning rather than listening to breakfast news or whatever it is oh lord we just just come before you as a, for a renewal a restirring of passion for you jesus pray for anyone this morning for the very first time we're in their heart and life they're saying i give you my heart i give you my life I want to trust you. I've been living for myself. I now want to live for you, Jesus. Just our Father God, would you just release grace and mercy into that person's heart that you might welcome them into the kingdom of heaven. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And Lord, would you come and take central place in our hearts today? As a church, we want you to take center. Your personality, you are in position. You're the personality. You have the say. It's, you know, and, and all of our hearts and lives, we want to conform to you, Jesus. Draw us closer to you, we pray, that we might be more like you. And in becoming more like you, we'll love others more as well, Lord. I pray as a church 
that people who come into the heart and life of our church, we can feel a, a people as one. And that's not to say that it's wrong to have best mates, people that we really get on with and people that we really mix with. That's, we celebrate that in our church, that we can be a church of community like that. But we pray that it will not be at the detriment to anyone feeling pushed out, left at the side, unfavoured. We pray favour on all. Favour on all, Lord. We pray favour on all. I pray it, Father God, because it's going to be a challenge for us as a church because we default in our human nature. But Holy Spirit, help us today that there might be favour on all in the name of Jesus. We want to honour you and live for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's sing together. Thank you.